Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy podcast. We are continuing our series on destination weddings, and with me today, I have Sarah Pendergraf of Pen Weddings, and hopefully in a little bit, uh, Rick will join us as well, but uh, either way, we have Sarah with us, so thanks for coming on, Sarah. Yeah, sure thing. It's great to talk with you again. Yeah, for sure. Always good to have you on. I think this is like the maybe the third time we've had you on, but it's That's always excellent. That's what I was excellent. thinking. That sounds right. Well, thank you. It's fun for us, too. And yeah, hopefully Rick will uh, get back from from his errands that he's out on uh, in time to join us in a little bit. Cool. Well, uh, so we're talking all about destination weddings right now, which I know you guys do a lot of. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes there's some confusion about uh, well, everybody has sort of a different definition, but for <laughs> for for the purpose of this podcast, I'm calling a destination wedding anything that you have to drive and stay overnight or hop on a plane for. Um, so so that's kind of how we're thinking about destination weddings. These are people who are you know well outside your your general market of where you live, mm-hmm. but have hired you to travel in to film their weddings. So sounds like you guys are doing that on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, quite a bit. We, um, for the past couple of years, we were right at about 50% of our weddings being outside of the state of Oklahoma. And this year we're at 60%. And so, yeah, we're more than half of our weddings. We are either driving, uh, several hours to or flying. Yeah. So tell me about like, why just in general like why do you think that is is it you've marketed yourself that way that's what you wanted to do or is it just kind of happening because of where you are in your market i think it's a few different things um we are at the point now where yes we are promoting ourselves as destination wedding filmmakers we haven't always been doing that though we started traveling more before we started advertising ourselves that way um I do think part of it is price point. We start at $6,200, which is a pretty high price point for Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, You know, we aren't in a major market that can sustain or support, I guess, a price point like that on a regular basis. Um, So we definitely get a lot more weddings from out of state, but they obviously still have to find us too. It's not like, if people at home aren't booking you, then that automatically means people away from home are going to. So we attribute most of that to YouTube. Hmm. Um, We have, you know, other sources. We do have planners and photographers who refer us, but YouTube is where the majority of our travel work comes from with couples finding us on their own, just through Google searches. Awesome. What do you think they're searching for when they find you? Excuse me. Um, Usually it's just wedding video, wedding film, or it could be their venue. Um, We have a certain, you know, a fair number of weddings who have found us because we happen to have worked at their venue and then they searched that. Um, And, you know, lots of times it's a snowball. Like um, we had 
a wedding that was a destination wedding for us, but like a mountain wedding and the groom's cousin was getting married. So it was a referral from a past client that took us to a venue in California. Then we had someone find us the next year searching for their venue. And then that bride has started wedding planning now and she's referred us to a client for another California wedding, completely different venue though. So, you know, lots of times it's, it just snowballs. Once you get something out of state or in a certain location, whether by referrals or by people finding you through searching for their venue or their city or whatever, um, it just kind of keeps going over time and you start almost having fewer weddings in any one particular place and more just all over the place. Mm. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I think for, for anybody really in any price point, those referrals are so much of our business. And so if you're going around the country for these, it makes sense that it would kind of snowball in that way. So, yeah, it keeps, it definitely keeps going a lot. And it's, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who maybe have one solid source of referrals, you know, like a certain planner or a couple planners who refer them all the time, who give them a lot of business. Um, and we really don't have that. I think partly because of where we're located, we have planners who love us and refer us when they get the chance, but they are very upfront with us about the fact that the majority of their clients can't afford us. Like they might send us, you know, a couple of weddings a year, but that's one reason it's so spread out for us is we aren't in a place where we've got like that, you know, one company in our hometown that's just constantly feeding us weddings. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, that's a better place to be in anyways. You don't really want all your eggs in one basket. You know, you screw up one wedding and if that was the person who was giving you 20 weddings a year, well, you're screwed, you know? (laughs) Yeah, very true. We we like the fact that we have, um, you know, a wide source of referrals or outlets where people are finding us. It always means it's a little more of a crapshoot going into the year, like wondering who am I going to hear from? Where are they going to come from? Um, but you know, so far it's always panned out great. So we're loving how it's going right now, at least. Yeah, for sure. So I know like one of the things, and actually we had you on a podcast where I was, we were doing the whole series on storytelling. And Mm -hmm. I remember one of the things you talked about was just like getting to know your couples well in order to tell that story. And it's, it's apparent through your, your filmmaking. Like I feel like, you know, and I've said this publicly many times is I feel like you guys are really at the top of the game in terms of telling a beautiful story through the wedding film. Thank so, you, man. That means a lot. Absolutely. For sure. Well, so, um, you know, because you're doing couples from all over the place, what are you doing to get to know them? Are you just, uh, you know, are they, is it a questionnaire? Is it video chat? Have they come in town to meet you? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, if it's someone we can't meet with in person, whether because we just can't find a time or they don't live locally or we're never in their area, um, because lots of times we will meet with couples. I'll go ahead and mention that. If we're doing a wedding in a certain city and we know we have a booking coming up with someone who lives there or even an inquiry with someone who lives there, we'll say, hey, we'll be in town. Do you want to meet up? Um, So sometimes that does work out that we can meet them even in their city if we're already traveling there. But mostly... Um, it's either Skype or FaceTime appointments. We tell every couple that we have to meet at least once meet quote unquote. Um, 
face to face. We have to talk face to face, even if that means face to face via FaceTime. So yeah, we do always want to have a conversation before the wedding where we're able to go over how we work, go over the things that are important to them and talk details about their relationship and get to know them and how they met and how they got engaged and things they love to do together. Like we want to go through all of that with every couple. And admittedly, maybe once or twice a year, we'll have someone who it's like, Hey, I love your work. I trust you. That's not important to me. And we kind of have to track them down and we have Mm. to be careful to not be too obnoxious (laughs) because we don't, you know, we don't want them to feel like we're hounding them, but we want to make sure we go into the wedding day with a familiarity with each other in large part, them having a familiarity with us. Um, Rick has said several times, and he could probably add to this if he uh, gets back in time that it really helps him with grooms. Cause lots of times, you know, brides, sure. even if they don't know you super well, they're so excited to have you there the way girls are on a wedding day. But sometimes guys are a little more hesitant with the cameras and someone they don't know. So it's, it's really important to us to do a Skype or a FaceTime date, we call it, ahead of the wedding, if it's someone we can't meet with in person. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like there's just like a night and day difference because I still have couples who, you know, they they booked me online and we've chatted on the phone, but usually it's just with the bride and we just never got around to meeting in person. And it's just a night and day difference, those weddings and the weddings where – you know, I sat down and had dinner with a couple, you know, just, Oh yeah. It's not only just, um, that I know them better. And so I know their story better for when it comes time for the edit, but it's also even, I, I know how to be more playful with them and I feel more comfortable in that environment to be able to get the best stuff out of them on the day. So exactly. Yeah. And that makes it's, it's so much more of a challenge. I think in some ways, uh, when they're, you know, when they're in another city or another state, um, to do that, but I, I really think that's so valuable. So it's really cool that y'all, you know, almost sounds like you almost make it a, uh, a requirement, right? As much as we can. Um, like I said, you know, we don't want to be too pushy if someone's having a hard time with their schedule and everything going on in their life, having a hard time meshing with our schedule. Um, but we will send quite a few reminders and like, you know, that's really only one or two a year maybe that we get that are hard to track down. Most are reaching out to us even, Hey, when can we meet? When can we talk? Um, but yeah, it's, we don't say it's a requirement, but we're definitely going to push it as much as possible and make sure it happens. Yeah. Cool. So you talked about kind of like right now you're at like a 60, 40 place. Um, mm-hmm. how many, how many weddings a year is that for y'all? Y'all doing like 25 or so some somewhere in that neighborhood? Yeah, we've tried to cut down. The last few years we did, um, excuse me, I'm obviously fighting something, so I apologize for that. The last few years we did like 33, then 31, then down to 26, and this year we're at 23. So we're trying to keep it pretty close to 20. Um, Okay. Saying we're capping out now, capping or maxing out at 25. So this year, 23, and that's felt like a pretty good number yeah so like 15 16 times a year you're hopping on a plane going somewhere um what's that been like for you is (laughs) are you enjoying like that much travel (laughs) yes and no um 
it's it's the thing that you know those of us who do get to a point where we're traveling a lot we're almost not allowed to admit it because if you say it's so hard i'm so tired then people who don't get to travel much are like oh gee poor you that you know must have been a really <laughs> rough week in mexico or um yeah. so but yeah it it's both um it's nice for us because being a husband and wife team, we obviously are getting to actually enjoy. We're enjoying the travel together and the places we're going. Um, but still when you're doing it, like you said, 15, 16, however many times a year, you're not going to stay an extra week or whatever at every location you would, you'd never sure. be home and you would never get any editing done. Um, if you are constantly making a vacation out of it. So you do have the weddings where you were hopping on a plane, getting to town, maybe shooting a rehearsal dinner, shooting all day the next day, hopping on a plane, coming home. And in and of itself, the travel is very exhausting and you get worn out and you do miss home. Um, but in terms of the weddings, it is nice to have that different inspiration something different to shoot that you're not always doing you know the same few venues week in and week out and that's something that helps us stay fresh you know that you don't feel like here I am just back at the same old same old I know exactly what to do I know exactly what I can do um it's definitely nice to shoot at different locations in terms of the creative aspect, but it is tiring. And we, it was a weird year for us, actually. Things uh, kind of fell in groups. So we had a pretty somewhat slow, like, winter through summer. We uh, lots of times are just swamped um, April or even March through June. And this year was totally the opposite for us. We're in our busy time now. We are traveling. Everything is away from home. Um, in fact, even our Oklahoma weddings, we only had one Tulsa wedding this year, the city we live in. Everything else was at least a two hour, one to two hour drive from home beyond that. Um, but yeah, right now we're in our time where all of our weddings, September, October, November, up to mid-December are somewhere outside of Oklahoma. Hmm. And so all our travels hitting in a row, which has definitely made it a little tough trying to keep up with editing and everything. You know, we want to enjoy it and we do, we have a good time, but the last couple trips we've been on, we did find ourselves at the end of the trip saying the last couple of trips where we extended it, you know, or we stayed a little extra, we found ourselves like on the last day saying, I'm ready to be home. Like this has been nice, but I'm ready to be home given how much traveling we have on our plates right now. Sure. So how often, you kind of mentioned this in passing, and I think this is, I, whenever I have traveled, I tried to do it as much as possible to say, hey, we really kind of, if I'm going to be here, I need to be there early, and if I'm going to do that, I need to do probably a rehearsal dinner as well. Are you making multi-day shoots out of it a lot of the time, or is it still mostly just kind of a one-day thing? That just depends on what they book. Like for us, rehearsal dinner coverage is an add-on. And so if they don't book it, then we're not shooting it. Sure. And we do love it, but we still know we can make a good film without it. Um, as long as we know we'll have story somewhere else, whether it be toast, personal vows, having them tell their story. Um, so it's not a given. It's not a requirement. 
some places it will add to their travel fee too. Like we, um, for the past few years have shot once or twice a year in Nantucket, which we love. We absolutely love going there. It is tricky travel wise though. It's, um, pretty long flight. I mean, not crazy long, but still decent flight for us from here to Boston. Then it's an hour and a half drive, assuming traffic's not bad down to the ferry. Then depending on which ferry you do, it's either an hour or little over two hour ferry ride to the Island. Hmm. So if our Nantucket couples book rehearsal dinner coverage, they have to add a third night of lodging because we can't come in the day of the rehearsal dinner and get there in time to shoot it. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, so tell me about like, just, I want to hear your favorite, uh, you know, your favorite experience doing a destination wedding. (laughs) Sounds like you've got to go to lots of great places. So what's, what's the top of your list? It's hard. We get asked that a lot, like favorite place. And it's kind of hard for us to boil it down. Um, we do both really love the mountains and, uh, contrary to what a lot of people would expect, one of our favorite places now is the mountains in Idaho. Hmm. We've shot in McCall, which is like a couple hours north of Boise. And then we've shot in Sun Valley and absolutely loved both of those locations. Um, I think one of the reasons we loved them is because you've got that beautiful mountain area, but you're not in a heavily... Um, commercialized, I guess, not a super heavy tourist area like you are when you go to, you know, Vail or Aspen. Um, and we, don't get me wrong, we love those places too. Vail's one of our favorite places. But in terms of somewhere that feels, you know, you're a little more out away from the tourist stuff, we really love the mountains in Idaho. Um, there's a lot of others that are high on the list. Like I said already, Nantucket is one of our favorites. But I have a sure. feeling a lot of these are going to get topped uh, pretty soon because we have a wedding coming up in Australia. Ooh, and so nice. that one may shoot to the top of the list. Yeah, we're yeah. pretty excited about that. It's that one's going to be obviously really long travel. Um, we're praying we'll be able to get a seat upgrade at the gate because that's about a thirteen-hour flight. Ooh, yeah. But yeah, we're we're pretty pretty excited about that one. Yeah, that's super exciting. Is it what type of, uh, I mean, what's their like style for that wedding? Do you know yet where it is exactly or what what type of venue it is? It's going to be pretty laid back. We think they are only having, well, I was going to say they're only having 14 guests. They're only inviting 14 people. But if anybody brings a date, obviously the numbers could go up. So we think we'll have 20 or so guests at that wedding. So it's going to be really small in the uh, Botanic Gardens in Sydney. Cool. Um, with the opera house in the background and they're getting married under a tree. That's really special to them that they run past every day when they go on jogs and stuff. So, um, yeah, we know that that one's going to be pretty special and unique in the fact that we're going to be in such a cool location with such a small group of people. And that's, that's really one of our favorite things to do. Um, not to get away from destination weddings and into pricing, but that is one of the things that's, a little tricky for us is we have, you know, high end pricing, but we really like to sell ourselves to the people who are focusing more on story and family. And it may not be a huge wedding. It's lots of times we're not doing, you know, big platinum weddings. Most of our destination weddings are smaller, but yeah. we like that. We really love the small crowds. 
For sure. I mean, one of my very favorite weddings, I was the only professional vendor there. Wow. Like they pulled everything off through friends and family, like right down to food. You know, they did, they did a potluck and, Mm -hmm. you know, it turned out fantastic, but so much of it was just like, they were incredible people who had so many people around them who loved them so much, but their priority was, you know, on the video. And so that was, I was the only vendor there. Um, but that's still one of my favorite weddings that I did, you know? So I, I totally get that aspect of it, of it's not always the grand half million dollar wedding that stands out in your mind as one of your favorites. Sometimes it's just about the couple and the experience of, you know, doing that in a more, uh, quaint way. Yeah. It's really special. Those are really special. Awesome. So, Uh, One of the questions I always hear from people, um, and actually I was asking a couple people in the office here what they wanted to ask, and this is probably the most common question you hear as well. (laughs) How do I get started? How do I book my first uh, destination wedding? A big part of that, seriously, is going to be Google, you know, internet, social media, reach. Um, That's not always the case. We got our first destination wedding with someone we knew personally. It was actually a coworker of Rick's back before he joined me full time in the business. Um, and one of the things that we tell people a lot, which this kind of rolls into another topic of whether people charge or not for travel, which we encourage everyone. Yes, please do. Don't give it away. Um, don't see it just as a free vacation. Cause trust us, it's not, you're going to work hard and you're going to yep. slug gear through the airport, you know? Um, but if you have zero destination weddings under your belt and you know, for that first one, you want to offer a little bit of a discount or something, I don't see anything wrong with that. We did that with our first one. They still covered all of our travel expenses. We still got paid on top of that, but we did discount our pricing a little bit to help get that first destination gig under our belt. So we had something to show for it. Um, and then, you know, like I said, things just start spreading and you need to have your name out there where people can find you. We got several weddings early on through style me pretty that were not, you know, mountains or beaches or a long ways away, but they were at least other States. It was Louisiana, Arkansas, um, you know, Missouri, Texas, the states that border us. And that's one of the things that'll happen a lot too. If you can just get your name out there through blogs, through YouTube, Google, Facebook, someone somewhere not too far away may find you and book you and it'll keep growing from there. It's like your reach, you know, will physically expand because someone in that state will then see the one that you did there and then they'll want you and your name will just keep showing up in more places because you've been more places. It'll show up in more places online because you've been more places. Um, so really to get that first one, I think a huge part of it is just having your name out there with good SEO, social media, so people can find you easily when they're searching for a wedding videographer. And there's also, you know, connections you can make obviously too. If you know a planner or a photographer who does a lot of traveling, you can always network with them and say, hey, looking to get my first destination gig, you know, 
willing to negotiate a little bit if you are just something to get that first one under your belt so you can let people know if you're aiming for that you know reach out to people and let them know what you're offering just make sure that they understand this is like a one-time thing you know I just want to get that first destination gig under my belt but once you've got them once you've got that one in your portfolio be sure you start charging appropriately because otherwise I could promise you you'll get worn out and burned out real fast if you're seeing everything as, oh, well, it's a vacation. We know of people who got super behind in their editing because that's how they treated it. They didn't charge for travel. They saw it as a vacation. So they were traveling to all these weddings, but then they were truly treating it as a vacation outside of the shooting day. Hmm. And suddenly all that time to edit (coughs) was going out the window because they were treating these trips as vacations and not getting paid you know, the right amount to be able to do fewer weddings to compensate for how much time they were losing on these trips. And they reached a point where, you know, we heard through the grapevine, a lot of people being disappointed with their turnaround time and, um, Hmm. not maybe they like, maybe they like read the four hour work week or something and thought that was a real (laughs) thing. (laughs) Maybe I would love it if I could master that. Yeah. I, that's not going to happen for me anytime soon, (laughs) but yeah, you've got to, is as enjoyable as it is when it's first starting, you have to realize that if destination weddings become a major source of income for you, you have to get paid appropriately. Otherwise, I can pretty much promise you are going to end up completely exhausted um, from constantly being on the road and not getting paid what you're worth for it and then needing to catch up on editing too if you're not, you know, if you're on the road and always out having fun. So... Sure. Um, yeah, you know, do what you got to do to get that first one. And then once your name's out there, you know, sell yourself the right way because people will see the value in it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, along the lines of what you're talking about, when you're doing as many destination weddings as you are, how are you finding that balance between, you know, I, I don't want to be a... Uh, I don't want to completely miss this opportunity to explore this new place I've never been. At the same time, I've got a lot of work to get done. Uh, are you, what What are you doing to kind of find that balance of, you know, really enjoying life and enjoying the, the benefits of what you've been able to accomplish and getting these weddings in various places, but also, you know, I have, I have a job to do to, to make sure my clients are getting a great experience. Mm-hmm. A big part of it for us is just, always looking ahead at what edits you have coming up and knowing, okay, I need to finish, you know, this film by this date and this film by this date, even if it's maybe in a slow period, if you know that you're about to get hammered, it's like, I have to get this done by a certain date, even if it's early for that one, because I know I'm going to be gone for a week or two weeks or whatever it may be. And the next thing you know, I'm already going to feel behind again, even if we're not technically behind contractually you know there's that looming feeling in the back of your head of how close am I to finishing this I want to have it done by whatever date so keeping ahead of your schedule knowing what you have coming up and what you need to have completed by a certain date is a big part of it um we also like I said earlier you know being a husband and wife team that does make it a little easier because There's not, and we don't have kids yet. We want children. We don't have them yet. And we have said several times, there's no way we could maintain this schedule that we currently maintain with 
you know, children in the picture, especially, you know, newborns, toddlers, small kids. Um, so that's something that we talk about a lot. How can we keep this going um, and have kids at the same time? How much will we have to cut back on weddings or at least on, you know, destination weddings? Right. But it's, um, it is a little easier when it's a husband wife team and you don't have kids in the picture. So at least when we're on these trips, we're still together. We don't feel like we're missing out on time with our spouse, um, or partner or family. And we do edit on the road too. That's one of the things that helps us a lot. Um, I edit on planes as much as I can. I am yeah. prone to motion sickness, but Bonine <laughs> helps me. Um, and I've done pretty well lately. I will say the last ferry back from Nantucket was a doozy and I had to stop working at one point because it was rough seas. But yeah, yeah, when we're on a on a plane or if we're driving to a destination, typically Rick's driving and I'm in the passenger seat editing in the car. And so mm. I do a lot of editing while we're on the road. So I'm not completely, you know, cut off, completely not accomplishing anything while we're gone. So there's a lot of editing that's still happening when we're traveling. Sure. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I even remember I recorded a podcast a while back with uh, Dax Victorino, and he was saying when he's, uh, you know, in the car on the way back, I think they could do a lot of weddings out in uh, Lake Tahoe. And so he'll be having a, you know, quite a drive back home. And he said he'll just listen to audio on the way home and just try to find those pieces. And even, you know, even if you got car sick, that's still something that you could do. Is you can just, <laughs> you know, go back and listen through the tracks and kind of, uh-huh. you know, mark what you're going to use as your audio pieces. You know, all those little things that take time. Uh, you know, I think that can just be, that's an, an incredibly valuable way to think about how I can kind of have my cake and eat it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's time that's just there. If you're in a car, assume, you know, if someone else is driving (laughs) and you're in a car or if you're on an airplane or, you know, wherever going to a wedding, you know, utilize that time to get work done. And that way, when you are at the location, you can enjoy it a little more. When you get home, you don't quite, don't have quite as much hanging over your head. So we, um, you know, use our time on the road to our advantage a lot. And even when we are on the road, we often, like if it um, is, you know, a week-long stay, we just spent a week in Nantucket and we had a day that was pretty rainy and we've got, you know, a little beach house with kind of a nice view and yeah, we stayed inside for a full day and edited and it was still enjoyable. It's not like you have to be out doing something every single day um, sure. to still make it a good trip. So, you know, we're still, we're still working even when we're not, you know, at home or in the office. Is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films? Do you feel disorganized? What happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response? Do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them? Do you find yourself asking, where was that bride's phone number again? And have they paid their invoice or not? Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford forty dollars or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. 
I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized for my accountant. It was awful. And now I pay 17 hats, just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, WeddingFilmAcademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hats for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. So, uh, you know, I think I think that for a lot of people that dispels <laughs> some of this myth of, uh, you know, just... I think there's there's this there's this myth out there that you know if you're doing destination weddings you're just kind of you're just kind of always on vacation. So I think we've we fully dispelled <laughs> that myth. I think yeah. you know there is obviously like we've talked about here. There's there's lots of perks to it, and it's uh, you know a real honor to get to do something like that and a joy. But um, but it's not all pie in the sky either. So talk to me about like some of the other challenges that you've experienced with. Uh, doing some of the destination work? Um, some of the biggest things for us are gear, dealing with gear. We honestly, if it's within a, mm, I think seven is kind of our cutoff. If it's around a seven hour drive, we will typically drive that before we'll fly it just because we hate flying with gear that much. Hmm. Um, and that's not always the case, but it's, pretty that holds pretty true um when it comes to traveling in the airport with all of our gear we've definitely got a system down we fly exclusively southwest at least when we can internationally outside of mexico that's not an option um but one of the main reasons we do that is because all of their planes are um seven or eight hundred series i think is the right numbers to use um but we know with their overhead bin space, we will never have an issue with camera bags and think tanks because we, hmm. the way we pack is we each have our own suitcase for just like personal luggage clothes. Then we have um, our Dito lights, which are in a hard case, like a Pelican case. And then we have this huge rolling bag, huge Manfrotto rolling bag that has all of our tripods, monopods, light stands, extension cords, mic stand in it. It weighs between 80 and 90 pounds. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, and so in keeping with the benefits of flying Southwest, first off, we each get two check bags. So we're not paying any baggage fees for each having a luggage, you know, clothing luggage. And then one of us is checking the big bag with all the tripods and such. And one's checking the Dito light. So we each have those two check bags, no extra cost. There is an overweight charge on the big bag, except that their media policy which is that media members of the media don't have to pay for overweight bags. They do have to pay for extra bags, but not overweight bags as long as it's under a hundred pounds. And most airlines have this same policy. If you go read it, it says at least with Southwest that you have to be 
like with a network or a network affiliate or a commercial production company. Until okay. they change the wording, we qualify. Yeah. But the thing people need to be aware of is they've gotten more strict about wanting to see some kind of badge, some kind of media badge. Like we used to just be able to show them our business card and say, I own a commercial production company. Right. But they want more than a business card now. And so we went online and just, you know, Photoshop or. (laughs) Yeah. We just Googled ID maker. I just Googled like ID maker, found a website that makes very professional looking IDs. We put media on it. But like one of the biggest things I tell people is don't lie. We're not telling you to lie. Don't say you're with a TV station. You're not. Sure. Put your business name on there and just be prepared with their rules and to say, you know, well, but we we are a commercial production company. Um, we have on our badges, we have our wedding company name on one side and our corporate company name on the other. And occasionally someone will question it. Um, we had someone one time say, I didn't realize photographers qualified for this. And we're like, well, we're videographers. I mean, we're, we're a production company. Um, you know, we're not network affiliated or anything, but we are a commercial production company. And they said, okay. And we had someone at the gate locally recognize us because uh, apparently her daughter wanted to hire us, but we weren't in the budget. So they knew who (laughs) we were. We had done a friend's wedding. She was like, but this is your own company, right? Like you don't work for a production company. This is your company. And I said, yeah. And she just kind of hesitated. And I, you know, Rick tells me I have to be careful that I can come (laughs) across a little like, you know, hey, this is what your rules say, you know. So I had to be careful not to be sassy, but it's like, yeah, we do own our own company. We own a commercial production company, which qualifies under the rules as not having to pay overweight. So check your air, whatever airline you fly, check their media policy. See if you qualify, make yourself a little, you know, media ID with your company name on it and just be prepared with the rules to back you up. So thanks to those rules and thanks to Southwest's bag policy, we don't pay for any of our bags. Um, we don't have to pay for any check luggage and we carry on our like shoulder camera bags and a couple of think tanks that we have our laptops in all of our extra equipment in terms of audio and lenses and anything that's, you know, super valuable or super fragile. We're not checking anything like that. And so we know on Southwest planes that those think tanks will fit in the overhead bin. Whereas on some other airlines, they run out of space whenever we have had to travel internationally on another airline, even flying, um, you know, upgrading and flying first class. We still being like the third person on the plane, everyone claimed the good space instead of the bin on the side that can basically hold a purse. And that's about yeah. it. If that, and so they were going to make us check our think tank that had three camera bodies in it and lenses and audio gear. And we're like, we, we will not gate check this. We will not gate check this. And um, so we know we won't run into that situation because that's one of the trickiest things is traveling with gear. One of the most stressful parts, right. um, hoping everything makes it and makes it safely. And then you also have traveling with gear to different locations. Um learning we learned firsthand uh about mexico's rules of only two camera bodies per person which we did not know going into it Hmm. so we you have to pay import tax if you have anything exceeding that um 
and we got charged import tax on the quadcopter, which counted, and on the Ike light, which we took, which wasn't even a camera, but still, like, you know, just certain value of equipment. Um, admittedly, you know, there are moments where we're like, is this for real, or are we, like, being taken here? But we're yeah. like, I don't, I don't care. Yes, here's the $300 that we had to pay to get our gear across the border. But, hey, at least our gear's across the border. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's one thing just to travel with gear in general. It's a whole other thing to go to other countries to have to go through the process. We went through a long process to get a temporary work visa for Australia. Um, mm. So it's, yeah, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's also a hassle. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it for sure. So great pro tips there. I love the love the media pass idea. Um, and then just the, you know, the vast experience you've had in traveling, knowing that Southwest works best with the bins <laughs> and then you don't we, have yeah, to worry about, experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't even have to worry about like a security guard banging you in the head and pulling you off the plane or anything. So another <laughs> added perk of Southwest, right? I, and I'm not here to diss any other airlines or <laughs> friends at those airlines. I better be careful with that. I'm, you know, other airlines are great too. We just... We just love knowing there's no question when we get on a Southwest flight, there's no like, oh, we're going to make you gate check this. We're not going to have to fight about overhead bin space or anything like that. Um, and we know our, you know, our two free check bags, like we have a system down to where we're not having to pay for baggage. And I know for those who are, most people hopefully are passing that on to the client, but it is nice when we don't have to factor that into our travel expenses. We don't have to charge a client however many more hundreds of dollars just to get our luggage to their wedding. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, is there anything else that you just feel like somebody who's trying to get into this, uh, you know, they've been doing weddings for a while, but they're trying to trying to grow their network and get out and travel somewhere. Is there anything else that you want to say to those people? Um, I would say don't give up and don't, um, don't sell yourself short, you know, it definitely looks glamorous from the outside looking in. And like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it's almost becoming this, this status thing where people are, you know, giving away the farm in order to get destination gigs. Hmm. Um, and don't, I, I don't think it's worth that. It's not worth selling yourself short and not being paid what you are worth just to be able to say, look where I shot. Um, I, without, I don't want to, you know, go, too far over your podcast time, but we know stories of people who, and I don't even mean videographers, I just mean wedding vendors in general, who do a really good job of making it look on the outside like they've got this fabulous gig going with always traveling, with booking certain things, but, you know, their thousands of Instagram followers or Facebook followers or whoever may not realize they're completely footing the bill for that or, you know they're not getting paid for that at all. They're doing it for free, but Hey, it looks good. It looks glamorous. You never know what sure. someone else is doing, getting paid, not getting paid. So don't feel like just because you see a lot of other people traveling. Oh my gosh, I have to, you know, I have to do a destination gig or else I'm not, I'm not valid. I'm not worthy. I'm not, you know, whatever. Um, don't sell yourself short. Just get your name out there, connect with the right people, 
work on your SEO. That's a huge part, I think, of being found for destination weddings is, you know, outside of those weddings where it's all being handled by a planner, which in those cases, they typically already have their go-to people and it's hard to get in their network. Outside of those weddings, a lot of people who are willing to bring in, you know, photographer, videographer, whoever from out of state are just looking online. They're just Googling their city. They're Googling their venue. They're just Googling wedding video or wedding film. Um, so just keep plugging and get your name out there. And then once you do book them, once you do get your first destination wedding, um, you know, research the things that will make your life easier when you're doing it. Um, because it will, you know, if you start doing it a lot, it will add up and it will start to be a stressor. You'll, you'll love it, but you'll be tired at the same time. And so, um, look into all the different things you can do to help make travel a little less stressful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Just in case you're wondering, I just did a, uh, a incognito Google search here and found if you type in destination wedding videographers into Google, you're on page one. So you're practicing, practicing what you preach there. Love it. I hope if you, I want to say, I go back and forth on whether to use videographer or filmmaker in the title. So right now we have filmmaker in our title. I really am curious if you do destination wedding filmmaker, how do we show up for you? Let's see. Oh, you show up even higher. Actually, you're still on page one, but it's a few spots higher. So nice. Well done. So yeah, I always think that people getting found. Yeah. I always feel like the average like person who's not in this industry says videographer, but we yes. all say like to say filmmaker. Yep. So I never I'm I'm on that same boat of like which one do you say for Google, you know? That's but, very, very true. I think more people are probably searching video, so I've thought about going back and uh and changing that. But Well, yeah, it looks like it doesn't matter too much because you get showed up on both. So. <laughs> good. Good to know. That's really good to know. Yeah. Awesome. So what else have you guys been up to lately? Do you have uh, anything else big going on? I know y'all are traveling all over the place. What's coming up next? Um, We have our next wedding is in Missouri. And then after that, we're actually off to Australia. Um, okay, so that's the next one. Cool. Yeah, coming up pretty soon. And we, uh, we're doing a retreat while we're there as well, one of our wedding film retreats. So we're excited about that. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that's... That's the big thing right now. It's uh, is that really full? looking forward to it. But uh, no, there's still uh, spots open. It's registration closes um, October 29th. Uh, okay, so coming we just up have soon. What? Yeah, like 12, uh, 12 or thirteen days left until it closes. All right, well, this will go so, live on Tuesday the twenty fourth. So you only have like five days. <laughs> but I know we have. Uh, I know we have listeners all over the world, so if you're in Australia or you can get there easily, I would highly encourage you to check that out because I've heard reports from a number of people who've been to those retreats that they are just incredible, so definitely Thanks, check awesome. that out if you're in the area. We're excited to be doing one there. It's going to be it's going to be a really beautiful setting. Yeah, awesome. So how long are you guys are doing the wedding there plus you're doing the retreat? How long are you guys going to be in Australia? We will be in Australia for two weeks. Um, We would love to stay longer, but the way it timed out, um, we have to come back for a wedding in Laguna Beach. So we'll actually uh, fly straight back to LA, do our wedding there, and then come home. So we'll be gone for about three weeks. I'm already 
preparing myself for uh, withdrawals from my cats. I have a friend <laughs> who, whenever we're gone, she uh, watches our house and our cats for us. And I've told her, I know I'm going to be like, you know, a parent missing their child, except for me, it's just cats. And I'm still like going to be a total <laughs> dork about it. Do you have um, to get your friend to FaceTime your cats for you? Yes, we will. <laughs> we'll have to, whenever she has a minute, we'll have to FaceTime with her. We also have our nest cameras on our home so we can check go. in on them and talk to them, which totally wigs them out. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's funny. We're bracing ourselves for being gone that long. We, I know we ended up actually putting this on our website because it's very true about us. We say we live a conflicted life of homebodies who love to travel. Hmm. Because we really are, we love home, we love the comfort of home, but we love exploring new things. So it's kind of nice, actually, that Destination Weddings uh, force us to get out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so so uh, lastly, I want to do a pick of the week, and I want you to give me something that's been helpful as you've been traveling. Whether it's, you've already kind of gave us one really cool thing, the media badge. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe give me something else, something, uh, you know, gear or luggage or something related to helping you travel better. Um, I would say sign up for global entry, which mm. for people who aren't sure what that is, it basically speeds up the process when you're returning from international travel. But the other bonus to it is it enrolls you in TSA PreCheck. Um, it. I have to confess, I thought it was a guarantee once you got global entry that you would be TSA pre and our first three, I think, first few flights that we did once we were approved for global entry, Rick got TSA pre and I didn't. And I was like, what is going on? Why you is this happening? You look so much more Why? suspicious than Rick. I guess, so. yes. You know, people are like, I don't know about her. Him? Yeah, he's good. <laughs> But, of course, he just walked in the door, so he might have fun chiming in on that. But, yeah, he would breeze through security, and I would still be in these massive lines. Um, So that was a little bit frustrating. But the past few flights, uh, we have both gotten TSA pre. And not only is that a good benefit now, um, I mean, just in general, getting through security quicker. The new travel restrictions. Yes, the new travel restrictions of having to unpack camera bags um or at least you know fully open them up so they can look right inside of them so we don't have to unpack our camera bags we don't have to unpack our think tank um because when he yeah when he was getting tsa pre and i wasn't we were making sure that he was going through with pretty much all the stuff that would be a pain to unpack and i was taking just our shoulder bags that i could just easily flap open the top um but yeah, now that we've both been getting TSA pre, it definitely makes the process so much easier. And of course, then when we're returning from international weddings, having global entry um, will be a big help too. So I would say if, you, if you're if you going to start traveling and flying for weddings, I would really encourage you to do global entry. Um, if you're in a major metro, it's pretty easy to do for us. The only bummer was you have to do an in-person meeting which is kind of funny. There's not much to it, really. You do most of it online, and then when you meet with them in person, it's basically like, so this is your name, and this is your address. And I think we each got like one kind of funny question just to see how we reacted, kind of something you weren't expecting. <laughs> um, that's about it. 
but we had to drive to Dallas to do. They had to make sure that you actually had like a favorite flavor of ice cream or something. Yeah, something like that. Something where they just—it's like they just want to make sure. I don't even remember what mine was, and since I've got Rick back here now, no, he just shrugged his shoulders. He doesn't remember either. But yeah, we each had some kind of question that was like, "What? Okay." Um, But you know, if you're in a major metro, it's pretty easy. If you're not, you just find your biggest metro near you that has that'll do the global entry interviews. Like I said, for us, it was. Uh, we were looking at either Kansas City or St. Louis or Dallas. So either way, we were looking at like four hours away to do it. But it's completely worth it for how much uh, easier it makes airport travel. Sure. Yeah, and it's pretty affordable. I'm not sure. I can't remember on the global entry, but the pre-check is only like, I think it's like $85, but it's good for five years or something. Mm -hmm. I want to say global entry was $100 a person. I think yeah. to a, I remember to it was in the same ballpark. It wasn't much more mm-hmm. at all. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that definitely makes things easier. That is a fantastic pick. Well done. Well, in the spirit of, of, of travel, but in particular thinking about, uh, you know, minimalism when you travel, we were talking to, uh, quite a bit about that with Matt Davis last week. Um, I've been trying more and more to move to a minimal setup and so part of that has been uh, I <laughs> I have brought the fanny pack back in a, <laughs> in a pretty pretty awesome way. My assistant nice. was giving me my assistant's been giving a, me a pretty hard time about it, but um, I'm the kind of guy who just doesn't care how goofy it looks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am a happily married dude who's not trying to impress anybody with uh, with that. So I've been bringing the fanny pack back, and it's really awesome with uh, you know with the smaller Lumix gear. I can fit a couple lenses in there along with you know my my mic packs and extra batteries nice. and lens cloth and all that kind of stuff. So uh, so yeah, I'm bringing the fanny pack back. You can get one. You can get like an all black one that has you know like five pockets in it. For like ten or twelve bucks on Amazon, so we need pictures of this. We need you to post pictures of yourself sporting yeah. the whole fanny pack. Get up! That probably that probably is going to happen. I'm sure there are some out there actually, <laughs> because this last weekend I shot a wedding, and the photographer I had hired a number of times because we do some of our gigs, uh, both photo and video, and mm-hmm. so the photographer that we happen to be working with was a friend of mine, and we've worked. You know, I've probably hired her a dozen times to photograph weddings for me. Um, but I saw her taking some BTS pictures of my fanny pack making fun of me. So I'm sure <laughs> those pictures do exist. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. We'll be looking forward to those for sure. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I do also want to mention, uh, you know, we mentioned if you're in the Australia area, make sure and check out the retreat. Where can they go to find out more info on that? Just uh website is weddingfilmretreat.com. And there's a page on there dedicated to the Australia retreat, all the info on it and being able to register. It's uh, taking place at the Fairmont resort in the blue mountains, which is about an hour and mm. a half uh, west of Sydney. Wow. It so, yeah, sounds it's a really amazing. Beautiful location. Yeah. yeah we're so- super excited about the spot. Awesome. And by the time this podcast goes live, you only have like uh, like six five days, days yeah. five or six days left to, to register for that. So make sure that you do that ASAP. Um, also, if you're going to be 
in the um, so I'm I'm doing a couple of classes. Um, these are going to be more more intro classes. So if you're trying to get started, this is going to be kind of the class for you. You know, it's with these intro classes. It's always the case that if you've been doing this for a while, you're always going to find a few little nuggets. Um, but it's not going to be the kind of thing that's probably uh, world changing for you. But <laughs> if you're if you're getting started or you're you're trying to just up your game to the next level, I'm doing several classes coming up. Um, I'm doing one in Washington, D.C. at Ace Camera on November 11th. Um, so check that one out. Uh, they should have info up at Ace Camera's website. Uh, I haven't confirmed that, but they, they said they're sending out emails and stuff, so they probably do. And then uh, the following weekend, we're doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in the Denver area um, with Mike's camera. So we'll be in Boulder, Denver, and Park Cities. Um, teaching classes there and that's again kind of a kind of a, a crash course it'll be like a 90 minute uh, crash course on how we do wedding films so uh, that's if great. you're we in best the best of luck with those yeah thanks so definitely if you're in the dc or the denver area uh, would love to meet up with you uh, i always love whenever i'm doing these classes in different cities to try to meet up with some local people and uh, get some burgers or something so uh, definitely hit me up whether or not you can come to the class. Maybe we can meet up um, for some, some food or drinks or something. So I uh, would love to hear from you. And uh, again, Sarah, thanks just for coming on. This has been really excellent. Yeah. Thanks for having us again, Jordan, or, or having me Rick in the background. But yes, this is, this has been a blast. Uh, and it's definitely one of those topics we love to talk about. Awesome. Very cool. Well, if you love this episode, do please hop on over to iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star review. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. So if you have any feedback for us, you can always send me a message. Uh, go over to weddingfilmacademy.org uh, where you can shoot me a message and tell me what you think about the show. Um, but those reviews really help to get our name out there and help other people out. So uh, please help us out by doing that. We'll see you next week. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.